On Sunday, August 16th at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, join us at www.themysticalunderground.com forward slash live stream for a meditation with the famous Mitchell Hedges Crystal Skull and its caretaker, Bill Holman. We will also have a half-hour panel discussion about the skull prior to the meditation and a short Q&A afterwards. Hope you will join us. We're going live in order to promote the fight in us. Rob tested positive for COVID back in April in terms of antibodies and would like to donate plasma. But South Florida is so stacked up with people requesting tests that it took him three weeks to even hear back from anybody. So join us by visiting fightinus.org to find out how you can help in your local community. Thank you. McGregor welcome you to a place where all kinds of phenomena flourish. Voices whisper, ancient secrets, signs and symbols are abundant. UFOs, ETs, ghosts, and even the dead move about freely. Here we meet authors, researchers, and investigators of the mysterious, the strange, and of the inexplicable anomalies that surround us. Step out of the everyday world and take a journey into the mystical underground. Welcome to the mystical underground. This is Rob McGregor. And Trish McGregor. And our tech magician, John Posey. Thank you for joining us. You can find our books at phenomena111.com and we post almost daily at our blog at blog.synchrosecrets.com. Our guest today is writer and astrologer Alex Miller. He's the author of The Black Hole, which details deep space points in astrological interpretation, and the forthcoming book, Heaven on Earth, a comprehensive study of asteroids, both mythical and personal, and we'll be talking about how asteroids can be personal, which I think is a mind-blowing concept for most of us. (laughs) Alex is a frequent contributor to the Mountain Astrologer, Daykeeper Journal, and his work has also appeared in Aspects Ma- Magazine, Delray Horoscope. Don't. Excuse me. Not Delray. <laughs> Not Delray. Yeah, that's down the road. <laughs> Del Horoscope, Planet Waves, Neptune Cafe, and Sestology. He is a past president of Philadelphia Astrological Society and a former board member for the Philadelphia chapter of NCGR. Since 2005, Alex has been working in depth with minor planetary bodies in the outer regions of the solar system, as well as the myriad of asteroids much closer to home. Again, with a focus on understanding and documentation, he's researched both mythic and personal named asteroids and has been consistently astounded by how closely they resonate to their terrestrial counterparts as played out in current events and birth charts. It's a fascinating emerging, emerging field for astrologers brings specificity, specificity and individualization to an art form. He's also a 10-year veteran of cat rescue work in West Philly. His memoir of the experiences, Cat and Nine Lives. He lives in Nazareth, Pennsylvania with his cats, Ashes, Cleo, and Charcoal, a large garden, and more seasonal decorations than are good for him. 
Alex's expertise is unique, and I first became aware of his work in an article he'd written for the Mountain Astrologer. So talking with him today is a real treat. Welcome, Alex. We appreciate you doing this. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. Okay, so I've been following your work since I first read that article, and I, I follow your blog, which is always pretty mind-blowing for me. Um, give us some background on asteroids, like how many are there? How do you use them? Um, I'm going to use the term asteroids fairly loosely in that it also includes uh, minor bodies out in the Kuiper Belt district beyond Neptune, which mm -hmm. is technically are not asteroids, but uh, have the same type of effect in charts. Um, so all, all those points considered, um, there's a, estimated to be about 1.9 million of these in the solar system. My God. <laughs> um, right now they have, they have uh, identified and, and, cord and uh, uh, developed orbital patterns for about uh, 500,000, I believe, but only 21,000 so far are named. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> Is there an ephemeris you, that you use to look up these? Uh, not, per, not as such. You can get an ephemeris for any of these points online. But I don't think there's anything published. It's just too unwieldy, as you can imagine. Uh, yeah. Twenty-one thousand points. But um, you know, sites such as Astro or Serenu.com, which is the one I use, mm -hmm. you can put in uh, the planetary numbers, and uh, you know, you can get a you can get a, a listing for a placement on any day uh, of the year. Hmm. What's um, the story uh, behind? <laughs> excuse me. What's the story behind the names of asteroids? How do they get named? Uh, asteroids, generally speaking, are named by the discoverer with the approval of the, the IAU, the International Astronomers Union. Hmm. Um, there, are, there are really no guidelines for asteroids as such. When you get out to beyond Neptune, to the trans-Neptunian <coughs> uh, area and the Kuiper Belt, then they have some con naming conventions. Certain areas there are reserved for underworld deities, others are reserved for creation gods, things like that. Hmm. But uh, in the asteroid belt proper, you can name it anything. There are asteroids named Beer, Petunia, <laughs> um, different types of beer. They were all named as a class. There's Stout, there's Guinness, there's Porter, there's... <laughs> That's funny. Um, yeah. And then there's a lot of names for, for persons. Uh, actually, I think right now it's, it's, it's standard that um, um, winners of the, I think it's the National um, Science competition for, I guess it's for high school students, uh, winners always get an, an asteroid designated for them. Oh, really? Um, Wow. Yeah, and you can you can name it for your you know your your dog walker, your brother, your cousin, <laughs> your you know whoever you want. Uh, a lot are named for famous people, um, and a lot are just general names that uh -huh. you know like James, Karen, Kevin, whatever, and last names. Um, where, where did the asteroid Trumper that you use for Trump come from? Um. Actually, you know, offhand, I can't tell you who it was named for. <laughs> um, I, I don't know if I've ever, I, I, I probably looked it up at some point in the past. I don't recall. Um, but it's the closest in spelling and pronunciation to Trump. Oh, okay. And many times um, that's, that's what we're left with. Um, you know, even though there are one, will eventually presumably be 1.9 million names, they're not going to cover every name on the planet. Mm -hmm. um, and, well, um, the way you use it really seems to fit Trump. It does. I, I'll, I'll tell you why. I, I, I got instant confirmation because <laughs> the day he announced for president, I checked where it was in the sky, and Trumper was conjunct Hybris, which is uh, the goddess who is responsible for hubris, which is prideful arrogance, <laughs> and a God. Mercury. 
quotes from Mercury. So I said, that's perfect for an announcement for, you know, a, a narcissistic individual like Trump. So nice synchronous. Um, it, it, yeah, that is a good synchro. It, it plays out very well, you know, in, in the years that I've followed since. Uh, it's oh. always right where it should be. <laughs> How did you initially get interested in uh, this type of astrology or astrology in general? Well, astrology in general, I came to in my late 20s when I was just kind of looking for some sort of a spiritual reconnection. I had been raised as a fundamentalist Christian, mm. and um, that didn't fit too well with my sexuality once I hit puberty. So <laughs> uh, I, I, uh, I broke away from any kind of, you know, sex, uh, sexual, yeah, a spiritual um, connection for quite some time. But in my late 20s, I started, started to cycle back around to it. And I looked at a lot of different things, and I had my first astrological reading, and I was really stunned by how much this woman could tell me just from knowing where and when I was born. Hmm. So I began studying it on my own, you know, initially, and then with some classes and uh, a lot of uh, lectures and, uh, you know, workshops and things. Mm -hmm. And um, in the early 90s, I got into deep space, uh, which is a fascinating field. I don't have the time to, to stick with it that much anymore. Occasionally I'll reference it, but it's, it's a much broader field. It doesn't give you the kind of, it gives you a very important level of detail, but not the kind of specificity you can get with asteroids. Hmm. I can. I don't remember specifically when I began looking at asteroids. I remember the, initially I began looking at uh, mythically named ones because I wanted to find points that would um, uh, better express what I was seeing in the news or in a chart. Uh -huh. um, for example, um, Venus in a chart can express a lot of different ways in relationships. But if Aphrodite is also prominent, then you're much more likely to get someone who's more flirtatious and short-term relationship mm. oriented than if Venus is, is not, you know, or mm. then the Venus is just operating kind of independently. And as I'm going to, there's at the minor planet center, minor planet center.org is an alphabetical listing of all the named points. Mm. So uh, when you go to a site like Theranu or Astro, they will prompt you with maybe 80 uh, points in addition to, you know, the traditional. My God. <laughs> Um, but a lot of them um, don't necessarily fill the gaps. And I remember when I was looking for um, the first story I think I, I incorporated them into was probably, if you remember, uh, New Jersey Governor, Governor Jim McGreevy. Mm -hmm. um, he uh, resigned in 2004 after coming out as gay. And um, I, wanted, uh, I wanted more specificity on the gay issue. Uh -huh. So uh, Sappho was always in the prompts, and that's, that relates to gay issues because of Sappho being a, a famous ancient Greek lesbian poet. But there are other points that would work as well, such as Ganymede, who was a mythic figure that was a cupbearer to Zeus, who also had an affair with him, and uh, uh, Antinous, which is a, another real-life individual who was a lover of the first century Roman emperor Hadrian. Wow. Um, hmm. And was actually after he, Antinous um, threw himself into the Nile in fulfillment of a prophecy to save his beloved and the emperor deified him afterwards. And for a time in the Mediterranean basin, his cult threatened to eclipse that of the Christ. So uh, mm. very popular in his day, but he's another gay marker. So I, mm. I, I, those, those, those two are not, are not on the prompts from either Astro or Serenu. So I suspected they might have asteroids. So I started to go down the list and I would find them. But as I'm passing through reading what I'm finding, I'm seeing regular names <laughs> and, uh, I started to plug those into stories too, and say, "Wow, this is really this is really intense," you know. Uh, and look, look at it first in my own life, and uh, my chart, and it was just amazing the level of detail that you can get from that. Hmm. Oh. 
So, Alex, um, like you, I initially uh, got interested in astrology. I'm not an astrologer, but got interested in astrology and started taking uh, a lot, taking a lot more serious uh, when I had a reading from a, a woman years ago, and uh, it turned out that I married the woman, and she's sitting next <laughs> <That's> to me. <laughs> so. Uh, but I, I want to say that a lot of people are confused about astrology, speaking more generally now, because they've been told over and over in their science classes that astrology is not a science, that it's bogus. And uh, how do you react to people uh, who are total skeptics on the subject when you're encountered with the, uh, those people? Well, people. <laughs> Situations. Fortunately, I don't get into that situation very often. <laughs> I have a rather narrow circle of yeah. acquaintances, and actually, I have I have Urania, which is named for the muse of astrology, on my descendants. So that's mainly the way oh, I interface with people. Um, <laughs> but um, you know, I, I would agree to some extent that astrology is not necessarily a science; it's more of an art in its interpretation. Yeah. But it has a very definite scientific basis in the planetary structures that we look at. And I'm hoping someday they will find whatever kind of connection there is that does seem to resonate, as we say, as above, so below. Mm -hmm. And uh, we'll explain the similarities that, uh, between patterns in the sky and what happens here on, on the planet. Well, I mean, if nothing else, there's certainly synchronicity involved. It's a divination system. Yeah, it's divination. I mean. Right. right. Yeah. Well, okay, your posts focus a lot on current affairs. Huh? And I'm always shocked at how many named asteroids fit the names of the people in the news. On July 14th, for instance, you did a post on the release of Roger Stone. Now tell us about the Stone saga as the asteroids explained it. Okay. Um, we can go back actually to his initial arrest, which was mm -hmm. January 25th, uh, 19, uh, 19, yeah, 2019. <laughs> um, and, um, there's an asteroid uh, named, I don't know the exact pronunciation, but Ro it's Roger with an IA, Rogeria, Rogeria, mm. I'm not sure how you say it. Um, so that, there's an example of a situation where you have something that's very similar to the name, but isn't the exact you know, carbon copy right. of it. So there's a Rogeria, there's also a Rogers, and there's a stone. Uh, on the day of his arrest, asteroid Rogeria made a station in the sky. Now, stations are um, periods where from our perspective on Earth, planets or points appear to slow down in their in their traditional uh, or in their in their typical motion. They come mm -hmm. to a standstill. They reverse direction, and then they come again, stop again, and then resume direct motion. Uh -huh. uh, it, it's not actually happening in the heavens, but due to the trajectory between us, the Sun, and this third body, whatever it may be, it appears to be happening from us. Mm -hmm. So it's not an astronomical phenomenon, but it is an astro. Are a, uh, a metaphysical one, right? And and when a planet does this, it it energizes a particular area and degree of the zodiac for much longer periods of time. A point that might normally pass through a degree in two or three days now mm -hmm. might be there for two or three weeks, right? So it it imbues that area with its power, and it becomes a sort of a still point that you can kind of, uh, you know, the chart will revolve upon, even uh -huh. if that point is not in strong aspect or angular or anything, it becomes a real um, guiding principle of the moment. On the day that Roger Stone was arrested, the asteroid Rogeria came to its retrograde station. So hmm. it signaled a literal, a literal turn of direction for him, and uh -huh. going back, since it was retrograde, going back into what had gone on before, 
which is what the investigation right. was about. Um, at the same time that day, we also had asteroid Rogers um, in square to the sun. A square is a 90-degree angle that uh, denotes stress or conflict and brings mm-hmm. energy. And we also had uh, asteroid stone in sextile to the sun. Sextile is a, a, a more minor aspect, but anytime you have a connection to the sun, you're out. You're in the spotlight, whether it's conjunction or by aspect. You're you're put forward. You're more visible, which he certainly was. Oh boy. Um, and then you can continue to track those asteroids through all the major stages of his uh, his trial and the mm-hmm. verdict, and then his um, uh, you know the, the issuing of the commutation. Um, so were there aspects in his chart that involved Trumper? Yes. Uh, Trumper is actually conjunct his son. Mm-hmm. And uh, I believe in Trump's chart, Stone is conjunct his ascendant. Oh, that's um, interesting. So he was, he was pivotal in crafting Trump's public, public image, which is what the Trump, uh, what the ascendant rather represents. And he himself had a strong personal identification with the man due to having Trumper on his son. Uh huh. Hmm. Wow. <clears throat> Have you found any asteroids that uh, would uh, work with Ghislaine? <laughs> I, I haven't looked into that. I did do quite a bit of work on Epstein at the time of his arrest and then uh, suicide, but I uh, I have not uh, looked at. Uh, what was involved in his suicide? I'm sorry, I don't. Okay, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> I, sorry. I hear so many <laughs> stories and it doesn't all stick in my head anymore like it used to. I know. So. That's fascinating. Uh, one example, another example you say it was Bill Clinton and the Monica Lewinsky fiasco, which I found was fascinating. Uh, yes. Explain that one. Okay. Um, well, if you look at Bill's chart, you can see trouble coming from a mile away. Uh, <laughs> but again, you, you wouldn't necessarily get this information if you aren't using asteroids. Uh-huh. Um, Bill has a cluster in, uh, in uh, Capricorn of um, Icarus, which represents uh, rash, reckless actions, heedless of the consequences. Mm-hmm. The fall from heaven. Escal- <laughs> right. Escalaphus, which um, represents, Escalaphus is, is the, uh, the, the witness bearer, the tattletale, the whistleblower. And mm. these are conjunct an asteroid called Pecker. <laughs> That's great. That's it's probably it's it's probably not pronounced Pecker. It's, it's named after Jean Claude. I assume Pequet because he was he was head of the observatory in Nice, France. But it's spelled Pecker, and it works as a, a euphemism for penis in English. Uh, Pecker shows up in all kinds of sex stories uh, oh, from day one. So we have this cluster together, which says basically, you know, keep it zipped, or you're going to do rash, reckless things, and people are going to tattle on you. <laughs> and these square Chiron in his chart, which is a symbol of deep wounding. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have that aspect in his personality. On the Ascendant, um, astrologers are very familiar with the exact Mars-Neptune conjunction, which is also on the Ascendant. And that in itself spells, you know, issues around sex, yeah. uh, uh, forbidden sex, uh, things trying to be kept hidden and covert. Mm-hmm. But on the Ascendant, they're going to be more obvious. But also in there is asteroid lust. Lust? <laughs> yes. Now, Lust is, again, it's, it's a patronym, and it is, it is named for Reimar Lust. The correct pronunciation in German is Lust. He was a German uh-huh. astronomer. But it's spelled like Lust in English, and again, that also shows up in its English usage anytime you can use it. So we've got that strong thing where Clinton sees himself as this sort of suave, debonair, 
sex machine kind of thing. <laughs> oh, you know? God. Um, and then he also has several points at station. Um, in Sagittarius, he's got a cluster that is Achilles, which is a weakness wow. vulnerability, mm-hmm. um, with a, a TNO, a trans-Neptunian object called Salacia, which is the root of our word salacious. It refers to titillating, sensationalized, uh-huh. often sexualized situations, along with asteroid White House. You're uh, kidding. Uh, no. <laughs> asteroid so, White House. <laughs> right. So that talk that talks about a scandal uh, in the in the Oval Office, which proves a vulnerability or a liability for him. And it's something that that's an inherent character flaw, which is another thing that Achilles relates to. And on the other end of, um, I should say briefly that stationing points typically are about 120 degrees from the sun, before or behind. Mm-hmm. So there are two zones where you can look for to watch these things. That's the zone at which this change starts to manifest. They may not necessarily be within orb of the trine aspect of the sun, but they're in that general region. So this is on the Sagittarian side of his Leo sun. On the Aries side of his Leo sun, he has another point of station called Jones. And of course, Paula Jones, was the name of the woman who brought the right. sexual harassment suit in which he lied on the deposition about wow. the equivalency, which led to his impeachment. Huh. So, um, so we've got all that as a setup. In addition, we have um, asteroid uh, Aphrodite conjunct asteroid Lie. Oh, Lie is another one that is a, a patronym. It's, it's named for a Swedish mathematician called Sophus Lee, but again, in the spelling L-I-E, it works as falsehood. Aphrodite <laughs> is affairs. And that is exactly trying to Venus, which is, is typical relationships. So in the birth chart, he has his son. In addition to all these factors that are sort of more general, uh-huh. he has the son in a T-square. Now, a T-square is a, is a, is a, a, a very um, energetic and volatile combination where you have two planets that are opposed to each other exactly across the zodiac, and then a third planet that's in a 90-degree relationship to the other two. So his son is at the fulcrum at that 90-degree point, and it's squaring to both asteroid Hillary, which is on his moon, that's the domestic partner, hmm. and asteroid Monica, oh my which God. is Scorpio, and that's <laughs> sexual influence. Jeez. So that's the basic natal makeup. Now, when the affair was revealed on January 17, 1998, we had an amazing conjunction a precise conjunction at the same degree of Monica with Chiron, which is the wound maker. Uh-huh. And these were exactly squared to Hillary. Oh, my God. And hmm. in another T-square with Aphrodite. So Jeez. It, was the affair, it was the affair where Monica created this wound for Hillary. Huh. Boy. Blood. Yeah. That is... you, can, you can follow Pecker throughout that whole saga. <laughs> you can also follow... Um, these points, you know, through every little stage, when the affair began, the standing of the blue dress. Um, you can't make this shit up. I mean, this is... No, you can't. You really can't. Uh, Alex, when you introduced uh, asteroids to the astrological community in general, weren't there some astrologers who didn't accept your work and you had a little trouble um, getting articles published initially? Actually, you have that backwards. Everyone was interested to my work. And okay. <laughs> I, I was fortunate in that another Philadelphia native, Jacob Schwartz, had pioneered this area probably about 10 to 15 years before I did. Okay, and he had to... made some inroads. Okay. But, um, yeah, it, people are resistant to it until you give them a, an example like that. And then yeah. they just kind of roll over and say, all right, fine. <laughs> um, but I, I do like 
doing my own site because then I get to choose what I write when I exactly. write it. And, um, yeah. you, know. well, you had another, um, in, in late June, you had a fascinating post about COVID and you use particular asteroids to represent what's going on. Corona's asteroid is the closest phonetically to Corona. Well, you can explain this better. Explain. <laughs> sure. Um, yeah. I was looking again. I, I knew I, I figured I wasn't going to find a coronavirus asteroid, <laughs> but I thought there might be a corona or something. And then I came across coronas, which, again, is one of the situations where it's a judgment call. If you think it's close enough, you put it into the chart, you see if it works. Right. Um, but when I looked more closely at coronas' myth, I felt very confident that this would be the case because uh, coronas was a lover of Apollo who was known as the bringer of plague in Greek myths, among his other mm. attributes, his more pleasant attributes. Um, <laughs> And um, it turns out that on the day that the Chinese government announced they had isolated and identified the virus, which was January 7th, 2020, Apollo and Coronis came together in conjunction in the sky. Jeez. Um, And uh, they together, mythically, had a child named Asclepius who (laughs) became a healer. Um, The story Mm. is basically that uh, Apollo and Coronis had this affair. She became pregnant, but she was unfaithful to him during the pregnancy. Apollo bitched to his sister Artemis, and she killed Coronas. Hmm. Apollo felt kind of bad about that, so he took the child out of her womb, and he entrusted it to Chiron, who taught him the arts of healing. And Asclepius huh. uh, became a, a sort of demigod in charge of that himself. So um, we had all the right markers there mythically for this sort of situation. And then um, when I saw where the conjunction occurred, it was just a few degrees, uh, or a few days, rather, prior to the Saturn first Saturn-Pluto conjunction, uh-huh. talks about massive structural change. Right. So I had a feeling that we were onto something pretty big with that. Um, <clears throat> and, and also in the sky at the time, uh, when they conjoined, Apollo and Coronis opposed asteroid China, which of course... Really? Was, wow. ...was, yes, was the, uh, the, the geographic origin. Hmm. Um, uh, at the same time, there's also an asteroid Wuhan, which is the city... You're kidding. And, oh. Right. And that was that was conjunct uh, folus, which is a centaur body that relates to mass death by mm. whatever cause. Mm. Um, and they were squared to asteroid nemesis, which is Jeez. ruin and undoing. Right. Um, so I had a feeling, too, that we might see, you know, a lot of casualties from this event, ultimately. Uh, and it would be, you know, a real um, stumbling block for a lot of people. Um, mm-hmm due to the nemesis connection, which is certainly what proved to be the case. Um, hmm. And again, you can, you can continue to track Coronis' uh, and Apollo in this instance. Uh, their continued um, uh, progress through the skies will continue to track with uh, what's going on on the ground as a regards to Coronis. A few weeks ago, as you mentioned in late June, I did a piece about what was going on in the states. There are a number of states who have asteroids named for them. And... Um, all of those that had those asteroids that were in relation to Apollo, uh, I, yeah, Apollo and Coronis were squaring each other in the sky at that time. Mm-hmm. And those, those asteroids that had those dates named for them, you know, vice versa, um, were in connection to this grouping. Um, like New a, York or Florida, <laughs> Texas? There, there is no New York asteroid, and they were not in crisis at that moment. Mm-hmm. That we're talking about, they had they had gotten through the worst of their stuff. Yeah. There's no Florida asteroid, unfortunately, but there is a Texas, which was uh, conjunct the sun that day, bringing promise to the state in general. But the hotspot in Texas was Houston, and 
Houston with conjunct Apollo and squared Coronas. Wow. Um, and then also there was Georgia, which was getting to be a hot spot. That mm-hmm. was that was also in relationship to uh, Apollo and Coronas. Arizona was opposing Jeez. Apollo. He squared a Coronas. That was another hot spot at the time. Oklahoma was popping in the news then. Mm-hmm. That was in sextal to um, uh, Apollo. And uh, I guess it was where's Coronas? Trying Coronas, perhaps. Yeah. Um, hmm. So, or actually, semi-sexual coronas. So, um, you know, you can you can see what's going on with it in that level. Um, is it going to continue? Is there yeah. any indication of uh, COVID disappearing? Any indication no. astrologically? No. 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 Um, there, there, there may be a period, a window when coronas turns retrograde. Planets in retrograde are not at their are not at their acting at full capacity. So when Coronas is retrograde uh, at uh, the end of this month, or the end of next month, rather, uh, August 29th, there'll be a window until it turns direct again in early December. I would hmm. real oh. vaccine, but um, I don't see how it could be disseminated that quickly. So we may get a lot of positive news about potential cures or vaccinations mm-hmm. for it during that, during that window. But then after it goes direct in... Uh, December of 20, it stays direct for a whole year until December of 21. So I would, oh, wow. I would expect we won't get mass vaccination before the uh, winter of 21, 22. Jeez. Oh. So in other words, we quarantine for the next two years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. God. So another loaded question, what's going to happen with the election in November? <laughs> yeah, that is a loaded question. Isn't it? <laughs> um, well, you know, I, I I have a bad track record at prediction. I'm much better at filling in the blanks after the fact. <laughs> um, but I will tell you this: there's a lot of shenanigans going on in the election chart. Um, it's it's looking. So like you do a chart for that day, November. Yeah, just a general yeah. chart for the day. It doesn't uh-huh. have angles or the moon degree. I just do what's going on in the sky that day in mm-hmm. general. I don't set it in any particular city or anything because it's a nationwide event. Right. Um, but. Uh, Amongst the things that are happening that day, there is a conjunction of, um, well, let me think, What's the, how best to approach this. Okay. So Mercury uh, rules um, the voting process and the tabulation. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, Mercury it's is totally stationed correct that, that day, right? Yes, it's stationed that day. Uh, mm-hmm. And from its station, it is making a, a trine aspect to... An aspect to a, um, an asteroid called Bi's Below. What? B- Bi's Below. When you spell it out, it's B U Y S B A L L O T. So in English, it's, a, it's named for a Dutch meteorologist. In English, it's, it means Bi's Ballot. Oh, wow. It's, it's, a, it's a significator of electoral chicanery. It, it crops up whenever you're seeing funny business going on with elections. Hmm. So it's in, a, it's, in a, it's in an exact trine relationship. And, and Bi's Ballot is running with chaos, oh, which God. is a, a trans-Neptunian object from uh, out past, uh, obviously, out past Neptune then. Um, that combination itself is very um, inimical for getting a good reporting. Uh, you know, we're going to have a lot of problems at the ballot box that day, some legitimate, some not so legitimate. Uh, and the connection, the, the, the close connection to Mercury says it's going to be very emphatic. Um, mm. We also have... Um, excuse me. Um, 
a combination, an exact pairing at the same degree of asteroid swindle with White House. Jeez. Mm, and this uh, sounds pretty bad, Alex. <laughs> it is. Yep. It's very bad. It's very bad. We also have on the day um, Trumper is in a T square. Hmm. Uh, now, on the one end, we have uh, asteroid Lie. And on the other end, we have asteroid Hermes, who was known as the trickster god. Oh, God. And he is conjunct asteroid Machiavelli, which is also <laughs> at station turning that day. And Machiavelli represents the um, drive for power at all costs, the amoral mm-hmm. acquisition of power. Mm. Wow. Is there an asteroid for Russia? There is. There is. And that showed up quite prominently. It was, it was stationary in two successive uh, solar returns for Donald Trump during the height of the Russian investigation. It's, hmm. uh, it's, it's uh, I believe, if I remember, squared his son natally. It makes it a strong aspect. I can't remember if it's a square. Um, but it, it, yeah, it props up, pops up quite a bit. Now, did I put that into this year's election chart? I don't see it offhand. I would think I did. God, that's a lot to keep track of. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is a lot to keep track of. Yeah. The other thing, the other thing that shows prominently is uh, is the, the mail-in ballots. There's an asteroid Malin, M-I-L-L, <laughs> which sounds that's like mail-in. Yeah. That's squared yeah. to the sun that day, yeah. and also to uh, that Swindle White House. Swindle yeah. and White House is within orbit of the sun. It's it's seven degrees apart, so it's a little broad, but it's 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 with the sun, which gives it further emphasis as well. Um, and then uh, we have we also have Trumper in relationship to Bilk. Asteroid Bilk. There's an uh, asteroid Bilk. <laughs> yes, it's it's actually named for an observatory in Dusseldorf, but again, it works as fraudulent uh, mm-hmm. financial dealings. You can see it in Charles Charles Ponzi's chart, Bernie Madoff's, Jeez. Um, other confidence tricksters, and it's very prominent. Now, here's an interesting point: it's very prominent in Donald Trump's chart. It is exactly conjunct Nemesis. Oh, now, boy. up to this point, Donald Trump has used Nemesis as Bilk's plaything. He has taken financial advantage of a lot of people, you know, shorting mm. contractors, stiffing workers, the Trump University fiasco, you know, the, the bankruptcies that he does, that he skates away without financial responsibility. Mm-hmm. But Nemesis always has the potential to flip that script and make mm. his financial dealings his own downfall. Oh, wow. I'm, I've been hoping for that for a long time. So far, <laughs> she hasn't done it, but we always have hope. Uh, I'm convinced at some point that's how it's going. To, that's how the worm will turn, and that's through the release of taxes, maybe. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. Anything that would show hmm. proof of that, right. and then Nemesis will no longer be working for him; she'll be working against him. Is, does Nemesis go retrograde too? Yes, everything does. Everything goes uh-huh. retrograde, other than the moon and the sun. Yeah, we've been talking a lot about the big picture of things, but how about personal readings? Does uh, can you do that with the asteroids as well? Your method? Uh, it's possible, but it's extremely unwieldy. <clears throat> uh, it depends what you're looking for. Uh, most people come to an astrologer looking for something about the future, mm-hmm. uh, and with twenty-one thousand names to pick from, no, I can't look <laughs> at your chart and tell you who you're going to marry. Right? <laughs> you got a lot. Of, you got a lot of choices. <laughs> but if you already know the name of someone in your life. What mm-hmm. I can do is plug that into your chart, and that will give you a sort of thumbnail sketch of how you perceive that person. Um, mm. If it's connected with Saturn, you it, it may be a work or career situation, right. or you met them through your career, or they you know they bring status to you in some sense. Um, 
et cetera, et cetera. So you can get a lot of information about how you perceive this individual by plugging mm-hmm. into your chart or by transit who will become, you know, important. But there's just how, so many choices that it's uh, virtually impossible to do it with, with the mm-hmm. software that's available right now. Um, I actually don't do personal readings anymore because they're, they take a lot of time and focus, and I, I, would, I think it's better spent elsewhere. Yeah. So I, I don't do them, but uh, mm-hmm. I have done them, and they can be very illuminating, yes. Can they what? include finances as well? Um, I don't do much on that level, but yeah, I, in theory, it should work, sure. Mm. Alex, um, have you done a chart for Inauguration Day? I have not. Oh, okay. Well, when you do, will you let me know? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I will. will you come back on and tell us before then? <laughs> oh, I can tell you one more thing about the elected chart, which 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 might be of interest. Uh, this relates to Donald Trump's chart, but that nemesis we spoke of in his chart on Election Day is receiving an exact uh, T-square from Coronis. Oh, really? Exactly, oppo- exactly opposed Josepha, which is Joe Biden. Hmm. So those two might help to bring about that nemesis situation and his downfall. Corona and Biden. Right. Yeah. Interesting. That is interesting. Yeah. When so, are you going to do the inauguration day chart? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I typically don't do inaugurations unless it's a new regime coming in. So mm-hmm. I may not even look at it until I know what the results are. But we should not expect those results on election day based on all this yeah. stuff going on in the chart. Um, I don't think it depends how bad the the uh, interference gets. We, it might be so overwhelming that we know even without tabulation of all the mail-in ballots, but I have a feeling it's it's going to be a while till we're really certain. Is there anything related to Supreme Court on Election Day like there was in 2000? I, I haven't looked at that either. Uh, uh, I mean, is there is there an asteroid for Supreme Court? You know. No, not 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 per se. There is there is Justitia and there's Thamus, which are named respectively for the Roman and Greek goddesses of justice. And actually, mm. one of my favorite stationary stories has to do with that. I'll tell you if I have a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. So, um, so um, Antonin Scalia, right, uh, late Supreme Court justice, mm-hmm. he had two points at station in his chart. Now remember. Stationary points are these embedded points in consciousness. The chart kind of flow, ebbs and flows around them. They have a really vital impact in, in your biography. Well, one of the points, yeah, the, two, the two points that were stationary in, in Scalia's birth chart are Justitia and Shafter. Now, Justitia, <laughs> as I said, is named for the Roman goddess of justice. Uh-huh. And um, at station in his chart, well, I mean, that makes sense. He was a judge his whole life. The last 30 years of his life, his job title was justice. Right. So we can see how that's working. But then you look at Shafter, and you're like, well, what, what is Shafter? It's a personal named asteroid. It, uh, you know, it, I don't know what it was named for, but it, perhaps there was someone in his past with that last name, maybe a, a, a school chum or a, a first Oh, it gets that literal? Pardon? It could be that literal? Yeah, oh, yes. Yes, yeah. it will be. It, it, it could be it could be it could be a, an employer or a mentor. It could be the name of the street he lived on or his grandparents lived wow. on. So I don't know how it manifested during his life. But when he died at that resort uh, lodge, hunting lodge in West Texas, it was in the town of Shafter, Texas. Jeez, oh, wow. God, that's a pretty powerful synchronicity. That's so. When you think about that, even if it took that eighty years to manifest. That is now going to be in the first line of every biography ever written about him. Yeah. And then yeah. Scalia, justice, uh, right, of the Supreme Court, 
United States Supreme Court, born such and such a date and time, died such and such a date in Shafter, Texas. God. Uh, and liberals would also... And liberals would also have a reason for calling him Schefter. <laughs> you know, I have I have used that line on occasion. Yes, that would be, and, and things do work that way, as you can tell from as you can tell from Pecker. There's also a wiener and a dick and a dong, and they all work as penis euphemisms. So, you know, it, it does it does. It, the other thing that resonates, as as we've noted before, is words in foreign languages that have an English meaning, like those those surnames we talked about, uh -huh. also words that sound similarly or are spelt similarly, these all seem to resonate with each other, and you can derive meaning from all of these in a chart. Yeah. Well, gosh, this, this type of astrology really seems to be just one big synchronicity machine. Yeah, that's exactly it's what incredible. I was thinking. It is uh, really about Pretty synchronicity. Yeah. Uh, John, did you have a question yeah, you wanted to ask? Uh, well, mine, it's maybe the most controversial question that's been asked today, but uh, do, you, do you still consider Pluto a planet, or is it a uh, Kuiper Belt object, or how do you look at Pluto? It's, 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 a, it's a Kuiper Belt object, okay. yeah. yeah. But I, I don't grant it any less importance for that. And, and I, I, think, I think the fact that Pluto um, was used as a planet for so long by astrologers, and they came mm -hmm. to understand it, should help them to understand that these other points are just as valid and just as important. There's no reason to think Pluto had any special significance um, as one of these objects than any of the others do. And huh. I hope that astrologers will take away that lesson that they need to look at these quote-unquote minor bodies mm -hmm. and see what effect they're having because it can be quite phenomenal as Pluto has been. Yeah, I mean... I always, I always adhere yeah. to the science whenever possible. <laughs> what, uh, what about... Uh, this new planetary body, Eris, I think it is. Is it, is it Eris, Eris or Aaron? Eris. Eris. Yeah. Same, same class as Pluto, same region of space. Um, what did you want to... Well, I was just curious because there's uh, the guy who does time passages um, software is really into Eris. Uh-huh. And I, I just, I haven't used it just because I didn't really understand it. <laughs> well, Eris you know, Eris operates on a lot of levels, and a lot of people will give you different interpretations for it. But I, I, in the main, they're all valid. You just as just as Venus and Mars and Jupiter and Saturn mean a lot of different things in a chart. So do these points. So um, I mean, the best way I can explain Eris from my perspective is to um, briefly retell the main, the main, the most common story of her myth. Uh, she was she was the sister of Ares and known as the nurse of war. She delighted in struggle, struggle and strife. And um, because of this, she was not always a very congenial dinner companion. <laughs> so when the, um, when the gods uh, fobbed off Thetis, who was a beautiful sea nymph, um, when they fobbed, him off on, fobbed her off on a mortal, it, it, initially all the gods wanted to marry Thetis because she was so gorgeous, but then a prophecy emerged that her son would be greater than his father. So suddenly, uh, yeah, maybe not such a great idea. <laughs> so they gave, her to, they gave her to Peleus, who was the king of the Myrmidons. And they had a marriage feast, and their son eventually was Achilles. Hmm. But at the marriage feast, uh, Eris was not invited because she always made trouble. <laughs> Eris found out about it, and she was quite pissed off. So she took one of the golden apples of the Hesperides, and she inscribed on it to the fairest, and she rolled it into the banquet. Well, they found the apple. Of course, all the goddesses thought it naturally had to belong to them, and a huge <laughs> squabble broke out. 
And Zeus said, I am not touching this with a 10-foot pole. <laughs> so he got another mortal who was a guest at the wedding, who was Paris, the son of the king of Troy. And he said, you, you make this decision. So the three principal goddesses vying were Athena, uh, Aphrodite, and Hera. And Hera said, look, if you pick me, they had a little confab, and they all tried to bribe him. Hera said, look, if you pick me, you can have the rulership of all the lands of the earth that you want. And Athena said, look, if you pick me, I'm a goddess of war, you'll be invincible in battle. And Aphrodite said, well, if you pick me, darling, I'll give you the hand of the most beautiful woman in the world as your wife. <laughs> so Paris said, okay, it's yours. And that was a great bargain. The only problem was the most beautiful woman in the world was Helen, who was already married to the king of Sparta. <laughs> so when Paris went to claim his prize and he stole away with Helen, that precipitated the Trojan War. And hmm. that's kind of Eris in a nutshell. Someone who feels wow. aggrieved, someone who feels aggrieved, maligned, slighted, disrespected, disregarded, and then comes huh. back, that comes back to bite you in the ass, and she creates trouble wherever she goes. Oh, that's so fascinating. She, she, repre she represents discord, division, strife. She was with, uh, she was with Uranus opposing Jupiter in the 2016 election, and that oh, was geez. an uprising, Uranus, of the people who felt they'd been sidelined, mm -hmm. who supported Trump, in that mm -hmm. political context, which is Jupiter. Wow. Mm. So, but there are a lot of other interpretations of Eris that I think are just as valid. I like yours. <laughs> yours comes with a great story. <laughs> <laughs> right. And that's half the battle. Um, huh. But, um, yeah, so there are many other facets to it. And, uh, I mean, she, she, in, a more, in a more positive light, she, she supports those people who have been justly, you know, you know uh -huh. have, have, are justified in their feelings of being downtrodden. She's been very strong this spring with the um, Black Lives Matter Protest. Mm -hmm. um, so, hmm. yeah. gosh, Alex, you, you really have to study a lot <laughs> I mean, to learn all these stories about these gods. I mean, well, actually, that's something I loved as a child. I read everything I could get on, on classic mythology, Greek uh -huh. and Roman. So that uh -huh. was already embedded in my consciousness, and that's why I knew when I wanted to flesh out a story, I said, you know, this sounds a lot like Medea to me. What I just saw <laughs> in this story. Let's see, is there a Medea asteroid? Oh, yeah, there is. And how does it fit in the chart? Oh, yeah, there it is. Look at that. Just huh. where it should be. You know. That's incredible. <clears throat> okay, well, tell, uh, tell people how they can find your blog and your books and everything about you. Okay. Um, yeah, the blog is um, alexasteroidastrology, all one word, dot com. Um, and I, I post there pretty frequently. I'm, I'm kind of laid a little late back this summer, I've been going through some issues at the house. I just moved recently and with my health, so I haven't been as prolific as I sometimes am. But um, there's a lot of material there that you can check in the backlog. It's fantastic. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm there regularly, but uh, not quite as often as sometimes. Do you have a book project? Do you have a book project now? Uh, yeah, I'm, I've, been working, <laughs> I've been working on Heaven on Earth, which is... Uh, subtitled your your personal mythology it's oh. about asteroids in your chart and how to interpret them but it's hmm. taken me a while to get a real hook on it i have a lot of examples but i don't want it to just be a series of examples in the book and mm -hmm. finding, a, finding a strong theme has taken a while i hope to have it out two years ago but i'm still plugging away at it okay um, well that's you can, you can however um find either the um the black hole book which is the um the, the synthesis of my research into deep space points such as black holes, mm -hmm. quasars, pulsars, and mazars, that's available at Amazon.com or at Crossroad, which is my publisher. 
um, and also um, Cat of Nine Tales, which is my my uh, memoir of 10 years of cat rescue work in West Virginia. Oh, it's fascinating. Oh, this has been really great, Alex. Uh, I really thanks. appreciate your coming on. I, I realize I, I need to start diving back into astrology and learn this stuff like you have. <laughs> well, you know, I, these days, since I'm no longer a counselor, I don't even think of myself as an astrologer. I call myself an astrostenographer. All I do <laughs> is write down what's going on in the sky and on the earth. <laughs> and it's that easy. So you shouldn't have any problem at all picking it up. You just got to know what to look for. Yeah, it's. Um, I, I really am curious about what you see for Inauguration Day. <laughs> well, there'll be a blog on it whenever I look at it. <laughs> I know. So. Okay. Thank you. Thank yeah, you well, very thank much. Thank you again. John, yeah. you have any more questions for him? Well, oh, no, I think we're good. Nope. It's been okay. good conversation. Yeah. Appreciate it. Yeah. Sure, thank you very much for having me. Well, thank you, Alex. Take care. Stay safe. Bye. On our most recent podcast with Adele Aldrich, who talked about her work with the I Ching, we received an interesting email and I'm going to read it because this this guy is a friend of Adele's, and uh, you'll see. Hi, thank you for interviewing Adele Aldrich concerning her four volumes of the I Ching Meditations. It was great to hear her voice again and your many questions about synchronicity and the I Ching. If I remember correctly, Jose Arguiles told me in conversations that the I Ching was like a psychic computer. I knew Jose for 35 years and have known Adele for over 40 I have used the I Ching and read Tarot for over 50 years, so I can affirm that Adele knows what she's talking about. She and I were both in the Union doctoral program, and Jose Arquiles was our mentor. Jose said we are all plasmic diodes. In other words, in other words, if we are open, we can be sensitive, perceptive, and receptive to the psychic information that's occurring around us. This is normal in life. <clears throat> I believe the Tibetans reference psychic energies as the movement of potentialities toward manifestation. And so perception of these intuited, subtle interactions is synchronicity. Adele's life work is all about spirituality and transformative consciousness. And so her I Ching meditations are a tool to assist an evolution of human consciousness. She's a wonderful artist and a great friend, Adrian Rubberauer. And Adrian, I apologize if I mispronounced your last name. So whenever you have any feedback, on a podcast, please drop us an email through podcast at themysticalunderground.com, and we'll certainly answer. It's, it's a lot better than putting a comment, I think, on SoundCloud. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Mystical Underground. Listen to the podcast at www.themysticalunderground.com. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Follow Trish and Rob on Instagram at Trish and Rob McGregor. Follow us on Twitter at The Mystic Cast. Visit the blog, blog.synchrosecrets.com. Visit the book site, phenomena111.com. Send us email, podcast at themysticalunderground.com. And until next week, thank you for listening and stay mystical.
Now, are you, are you, let's see, three cats. Are they all rescues? I imagine they are. Right? Yeah, yeah, they are. How did they accept the move? <laughs> uh, well, I only have, only one of them is an interior cat. That's Asha. She, she took to it beautifully. I was concerned about her because she's older, set in her ways. She, she was great. The other two were outside cats who are now indoor-outdoor. They have access <laughs> to the laundry room as well. And the boy, Charcoal, did pretty well. The girl Cleo had a lot of had a really hard time adapting. Her relationship, her bond with me was not as strong as mm. Charcoal's was. Um, she refused to leave the garage for a month, <laughs> oh, uh, but finally we got her out, and she's she, she's settling in really nicely now. She just had a major shift in her in her perspective on where she is, and she seems to be much happier. So yeah. I'm glad to report that. Now, do you do charts on your cats? <laughs> uh, not on the cats. Well. I do actually. I, I have a chart for when I adopted Ashes. Yeah. Uh, not for the other two, uh -huh. uh, because I don't remember when I met them. You know, it's been so long. But um, I, I use I use their chart, their their names and and asteroids in my chart. And oh, I that's chart, And I have done charts for other uh, friends and clients with their pet names. Hmm. And, you know, they always work too. Huh.